Talk Radio's red-headed stepchild. Solace Radio. We go where no talk radio has gone before. All righty. I'd like to welcome everybody to our 5 o'clock study. Appreciate you being here on this wonderful Sabbath day. Let's ask our Father's blessings on our time. <clears throat> our Father and our God and Almighty Yahweh, we worship you this day. We praise your precious name. We glorify you for your precious provision for us. We love you this day because of who you are and what you've done for us. We ask you this time that you would take it, that you would use it for your glory, that would use it to accomplish your purpose, and that most of all that Yeshua will be magnified and lifted up and we would know and understand better his work, his work of redemption, his work of salvation that he has wrought in us, and your love and your concern for us even in troublous times. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen. Alrighty, we're studying, <clears throat> and I've got this, I've just kind of put it up here phonetically, Mysterion Babylon. That's the way you look up the word mystery in your Strong's Concordance. This is the way they phonetically put it on paper for you as Mysterion, and that's, that's not the way you would spell it, of course, but I, was, I want us to be able to pronounce it if, if we can't do anything else. We need to be able to say it, so. This is Mystery Babylon, and we're going to be hammering very hard today in Revelation chapter 17. I don't, I know we're not going to get to chapter 18 today, but, uh, this is where we're going to be today. And, uh, we started last week, and remember we took a look at the first four verses, I think it was. And the way I, I've had the latest study out a little bit different. We've got the scriptures, uh, at, uh, excuse me, we've got the verses out of Revelation 17 and 18 on one sheet. And we're doing it verse by verse, point by point in each verse. And when we get through with the verse, we've got like a summary sheet. So we have to switch between this page and this page already. So just so you'll know how we've got it laid out. And I'm just going to read the summary sheet for the first four verses and uh, uh, kind of get us up to speed for today. Now, we came to this conclusion right here from the meanings of the Greek words and all that were used. And this big angel comes down to John and he says, I want to show you the judgment against Babylon. And this is what we came up with as a summary. Divine sentence has been passed against Mysterion Babylon, a large and stumpetuous, and that word stumpetuous means <clears throat> uh, harlot-like, entity influencing the entire earth. Okay, remember that. That this entity called Babylon is influencing the entire earth. That includes India, Pakistan, uh, China, everybody. They're, they're all involved, they're all being influenced with this thing. We found out in verse 2 that because the rulers of the earth are involved in these same activities of the prostitute, the inhabitants of the earth are intoxicated. Wasn't that interesting? He said the kings are, the, are committing fornication with her. Well, if you have this woman who is a harlot, in verse 2 of, Re of Ch uh, Revelation chapter 17, and <clears throat> she's committing fornication or these, these immoral acts, these debaucherous acts with the kings of the earth, and that makes them all, they're all fornicators. That's, what, that's all you can say about all of them is they're all in, involved in the same thing. So we immediately begin to see that it involves a, the powers of the earth, okay? And that's why we should begin to really question our our uh, baggage that we've carried for so many years that it's a religious entity called the Catholic Church because the rulers, the rulers of the earth are involved in the same activities as the prostitute. 
the same activity. And as a result, the inhabitants of the earth are intoxicated. That's a very interesting uh, summary that was made there. And that's basically what the verse is telling us, that the, the, the inhabitants of the earth are intoxicated because of what the kings are doing. It's, we're going to find out it's a king's game. It's a ruler's game. The beast, in verse 3 of chapter 17, not the woman, has the names of blasphemy. The seven heads and ten horns have prophetic meanings clearly distinguished in other Bible passages. This beast represents the final dominant world power that will be destroyed by Yeshua himself. These kings, rulers, presidents, prime ministers, whatever you want to call them, are involved in the same debaucherous game or activity as the woman. And if you'll read verse 3 of that chapter, that becomes very clear. Then we got into to the way the woman looked in verse 4. Whoops, I don't want to get into verse 5 yet. Down there, I don't want to give, give away the what we got into. But the woman has the outward appearance of royalty. She was decked in what? Purple. What, what does, remember Jolene's study from a few years back at Tabernacles? What does purple always denote? Royalty. Gold. Precious stones. And it was amazing that these were the very same things that we <clears throat> studied about that same day uh, last week in the Torah portion about the gifts that the, the children of Israel were to bring to Moses so that he could build a tabernacle where the king dwelled. Okay, do we get the picture? She she has the outward appearance of royalty, but he said in this golden cup that she was holding, there was some stuff that wasn't so nice. But upon closer examination, quite a different picture emerges. Remember in her cup were detestable things. In some translations it says abominations. Some translation says immorality, but the basic root meaning of the word is that what she was doing was detestable. Well, who else is doing these detestable things with her? The kings of the earth. The kings of the earth. The Bible says so. It's not, it's not my, my, uh, it's not something I'm making up. Go back and read the first three verses and you'll see that the kings are involved in the same things that she is. They're committing fornication with her. They're all fornicators together. She's she's portrayed as this uh, megas harlot because she's the ringleader. She's the one that, that's uh, like the the source, the or, the originator of it all. All right, so let's go back to our our study sheet now to Revelation chapter seventeen, and let's pick up in verse uh, five, I believe it is. If you'll give me just a second to get there. Now. Of course, I've done this out of the King James, and as I say all the time, if we can come to a clear understanding in the King James, especially about our Hebraic roots, then we really don't have any excuse, do we? So we have to study. So the King James says, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, on the great, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. And if we just read that, we think, well, she's got this sign right here that says Mystery Babylon and has the rest of that sentence on there. But I want you to look carefully how this is laid out in the King James, and we're going to look at it in some other translations. I've got it color-coded, hopefully, to help us. The word mystery is right here in blue, but I've got these two orange commas. Can everybody see those orange commas? This, this comma right here and this comma right here in orange. What does a comma do in English? What does that do? It sets it apart, doesn't it? it this, it's to be considered like a separate thought. So we've got this word right here, mystery, and of course that's our word mysterion. 
So, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. We, how many of you have read that verse before? All of us read that verse probably many times, haven't we? Alrighty, let's, let's, let's go over it point by point. First off, let's read it from, from some other translations and get a good grip on exactly what's being said. Let's read it first from the HCSB. Now remember that word <coughs> mystery is in, is parentheses. That means that it's not part of what was actually on her head, okay? It, it has a little different connotation to it. The HCSB says, on her forehead was a cryptic name, was, a cryptic name was written. Oh my goodness. A cryptic name. So I'll just bet you this whole thing is a cryptic description, isn't it? Yes, it is. This is a cryptic description of some end time entity that's guess what? Playing this big game with the kings of the earth because they're all fornicating together. This is a cryptic description, a parable if you please. How many times have we heard Gary teach us about God tells us things in parables, in parables? We know that the entire teaching about the tabernacle is a parable about who? Yeshua. How many times? I, I didn't do it tonight, I'm sorry. We didn't start out with Luke 24, 44. I'm, I'm failing bad. What does it say? That all things that are written about him in Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms concerning him had to be, had to, had to be fulfilled. So how did, how did it, how are we told in, <clears throat> in the Old Testament, as we call her, in the Torah, that he would rise on the third day? Where did we learn? It begins in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 2, no, chapter 1, verse 13. On the third day, things that rise up out of the earth when they're planted came forth, didn't they? Seeds and planting. That was the first teaching that we had about the resurrection. It's a parable. And we could go on and on about the places where parables are given us in what we understood to be the Old Testament that those parables were given to us about the resurrection. So don't don't be alarmed that he gives us things in a cryptic name fashion. But that's just how this translation, this HCSB translated out on her forehead was a cryptic name. Let's look at another one was written. Let's look at the CJB. Instead of putting the word mystery up there in, in parentheses, he says on her forehead was a name with a hidden meaning. Oh, wow. Babel the Great, Mother of Horrors and of the Earth Obscenity. That's what the CJB says. So, as we think about this, remember that this all is a cryptic or a secret or a parable description of this end time entity called Babylon. And as we, as we analyze this thing point by point and, and, and verse by verse, we're going to be flabbergasted here for you. We're even going to be told when it's going to happen. Before we finish this chapter 17, we're going to know exactly when it's going to happen. Or, or real quick. And it, it ain't when most people have been told or what we've always thought. Okay, it says, and upon her forehead, uh, this is from the scriptures of 1998, and upon her forehead was a name written, a secret. What is it about secrets that they're notorious for? Usually they're right under everybody's nose, aren't they? That's one of the notorious things about a secret. Usually right under folks' noses and they don't even see it. Babel the Great, the mother of the whores and of the abominations of the earth. That, that's a very interesting verse there. So we look at that word. It got translated as mystery or secret or cryptic. It's our word mysterion, and simply it means a secret, a mystery. Well, let's ask ourselves a question. Let me, let me roll, roll this thing back down. I wanted you to see those commas that I had there. 
Why? Why? Why, Lord, would you do that? Why would Yahweh God show to all mankind things in the form of a mystery? Why don't you just come out and say it? What, what? Well, you know, the Catholic Church is, is Babylon. I'm going to judge and You better not be a Catholic. Or uh, Babylon is the uh, Council on Foreign Relations, and you better not be in it because I'm going to judge it. Or, or Babylon is the Trilateral Commission, and you better not be in it or I'm going to judge it. Or, or uh, Babylon's this or that. We've heard it so many things. Why does he give it to us as a mystery? Why does he do that? Well, let's answer that question. You need to consider this question, especially before you study this, because you're going to see the importance of it just in a second. Let's let's look at some verses. Let's look at the Scriptures for an answer. What does God tell us in Psalm 78, verse 2? I will open my... This is, this is Yahweh God speaking right here. When he says, I, that, that God. God will open his mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. That's what King James says. It says about the same. It's going to be almost word for word in most of the translations. I'm going to read it to you in the scriptures from 1998. He says, I open my mouth in a parable. I utter riddles of old. Yahweh speaking. So that's how God deals with them. Why? Why, why can't he just be straightforward? Well, let's look at it. Let's get an answer to that. We should have known this. It shouldn't be no surprise. We hammered the New Testament most of our lives. For my first 50 years of, of, of as a believer, I you know I read strictly the New Testament. I thought that's where it was all at, and I never I never learned this though. I don't know why I didn't. But he says we speak. Paul says this in First Corinthians chapter two verse seven. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Well, what mysteries he's talking about? These mysteries up here that God has uttered from eons ago, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before. The world unto our glory. Well, yeah, there's mysteries. There's lots of mysteries in Scripture. Chapter 4, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Well, sure, there's mysteries. How many of you remember from your church background you were taught all about the mysteries of Scripture? We weren't, were we? We, we, we would have been offended if we had said, well, God doesn't have anything to hide. Why would he have a mystery? That's the way, way, way most folk think. That God doesn't have any mysteries. That that would be, uh, that would be, uh, uh, discriminatory in some way. Uh, maybe somebody doesn't have as much understanding as somebody else. He'd be discriminating if he did that. Well, that's not what the scripture tells us. We're going to see why just in a minute. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. When we solve that mystery, we find out, hey, yeah, there is a rapture, but it ain't when we always were taught, is it? It's at the end of the tribulation. It's much different. That's a very important mystery to solve right there in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. So he gives us mysteries so we can solve them. That's why he gives them to us. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. It's his choice to give us mysteries. He does it because he thinks it's best. He says it's best, and I agree with him. Ephesians 5.13, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Another mystery. Your first response might be, well, that's not fair. But let's look at it. Why does he do that? Looking at more scripture for the answer, now we need to pay real close attention here. We're going to see why he gives us things in the form of a mystery or a mysterion, as we pronounce that word in the Greek. Matthew 13, verse 11. What is he just told? The parable of the sower. The parable or the mystery, if you please, 
or the cryptic description that we call the parable of the sower. He answered and said to them, Because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. And by today's standards, this sounds really unfair. It doesn't. Why didn't you give it to these folk? They're just as good as they are, aren't they, God? Why'd you withhold that? You're not being fair. Well, what's this mystery business? That's what most folk would say. Let's keep reading and, and solve this little mystery about mysteries. This one really gets bad. <clears throat> and he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mysterion of the kingdom of God, but unto those that are without, Gosh, that sounds totally unfair. What what you got? Got some crowd that's out here, another crowd that's over here, and you just got these shut out and these you, you pet? That sounds like predestination, doesn't it? Is that what he's talking? Is that what he's saying? Not at all. Let's answer the question now. Reiterating the first question, why would Yahweh God spend two complete chapters in the book of Revelation? Giving us cryptic descriptions of Babylon. Now, this is all this mystery stuff. We're, we're we're looking at Babylon and figuring out. We're trying to find out why, Lord, have you given us us this very important message in the form of a mystery or in a cryptic description or as a parable? In fact, two chapters in Jeremiah chapter fifty and fifty one, and a chapter in Isaiah chapter thirteen for a total of five chapters of cryptic parable type description of Babylon. Why? Why, Lord? It must be really important. Here we go. Here's the answer. He wants us to dedicate ourselves to His Word, His Word, and look for answers there first, rather than looking first through commentary or popular opinion. Those who are on the inside, remember the, the verse He said to those who are without, it's not given to them, but, 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 but you that are on the inside, it's given to you to know. Well, what gets you on the inside? That's what we need to understand. That's what we've got to, to find out. What, what differentiates between those on the outside and those on the inside? Those who are on the inside are simply those who knock in His Word for it to be opened to them, or for those who seek in His Word for it to be revealed to them. Scripture is the best interpreter of Scripture. We study His Word. It's so easy to go jumping on the Internet, man, you, oh, and start surfing the net looking for answers, and you'll find, you won't believe what you'll find. You, oh, you'll just get bogged down, you'll find more opinions. Uh, I, I keep, it's crazy. You can go to commentary, and you can read and read and read, and every commentator's gonna have a different idea. So what's, what's the meaning of all this? He wants us to understand first, just simply, and first and foremost, well, what did the parable say? You know? In the parable of the sower, it says that the sower went out to sow, and, uh, some seed fell by the wayside. Well, that didn't mean a helicopter flew over and, uh, uh, you know, dollar bills were thrown out the side door. But yet we get into things like that when we don't just stick with what the parable said. Just understand. First off, understand what it said. And if somebody's got this wild-out interpretation that won't fit, if the glove doesn't fit on the hand, it must not be right. Amen? So the most important thing that we can understand is what is actually said. Even though it's cryptic, even though it's parable, even though it's, quote, mysterious, it can be solved. How many of you believe God wants you to solve this mystery? Five whole chapters. He must want you to solve it. He wouldn't have spent five chapters on it if he didn't. So the first and foremost thing that we need to do 
is in his word, in his word, in his word, understand what is being said. So, that's why he gives us, gives it to us in, in this mystery form. It says we will apply ourselves to the word and look for answers in his, in his word. So, let's go to our verse now. We're in Revelation chapter 17, verse 5. And after that big dissertation about mysteries, let's apply ourselves, let's knock, and let's seek in his word. Just in his word. Looking just simply the meanings of word. Okay, it says, And upon her head, and we're reading this out of King James again, was a name written, notice the commas, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlot, and abominations of the earth. Well, that word great right there, and you'll notice I've got it color-coded, just associate red with red, green with green, and brown with brown, and uh, uh purple with purple, and I left out a purple. I'm sorry. So I've got it color-coded to help us with, with the original. The word great right here is the word megas in the Greek, and there's your Greek spelling. You can get with Wade if you'd like to get sharpened up on that. I'm not very adept at Greek, and it means big or large or or great in size. Okay? It's not necessarily talking about just influence or just uh, social implications. It's also talking about uh, big in size. So don't forget that. Okay, the word mother right here is the word metar. Is that right? Wait. Metar, he says. And it means a mother. Literally or figuratively, immediate or remote. What does a mother do? Her special uh, thing from God is that she brings forth what? More of us. Critters call human beings. So she brings things forth. She's the source, if you please, okay? So, this big source of, <coughs> of harlots, and that word harlot there is our word for, is our word strumpet, or the word porne in, in the Greek, and it, stri- it simply means a, a, you know, like someone who is, uh, well, a whore, what can I say? A, 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 a prostitute. Someone who is unfaithful. Someone who is involved in, in acts of debauchery. And then, as we look at this word here for abominations right here, it's our word right here. And I, I, don't, I didn't have it. I didn't color it correctly. It's the word bedelugma, I believe it is, Wade. And it's something that's detestable. Something's detestable. So, how can we sum all this up? what's being said here. Let's go to our summary sheet and see if, if we've got a pretty good description of it. In verse 5, we see that Babylon is a cryptic picture of an end times entity that is not only the source of things that are detestable and abominable, but is also the major player involved. She's the source of it. She's the mother. She's the one that brought it forth. Don't forget that from verse 2, the rulers of all the earth are the ones involved with her. It's the rulers, okay? Don't forget that because it says the kings of the earth are doing what she does. What what do prostitutes do? They commit fornication. Well, the kings were committing fornication with her. Don't forget that. All right, so let's go back to our... Are we twisting anything yet? Are we trying to get a thumb on a glove? A, a, Thumb finger and a glove on a little finger, or a little finger on a middle finger of a glove. 
are we are we twisting this yet? Are we adding things to it that shouldn't be? Alright, if I don't hear no objections, we're going to keep going here. So, let's go back and look at verse 6. Now remember, this is a cryptic description, or a parable if you please, or a mystery. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Alrighty, this is a King James rendering. The word for martyrs right here is the, is the Greek word martus. It occurs 34 times in the New Testament, and with the exception of four, four variations, every time it gets translated as a witness. Well, we're witnesses of Yeshua, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we're, we're his witnesses. So it's not talking about some uh, far-off or uh, great event. It's talking about people who are his, like you and us, witnesses already. So, and then he says, when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And that's the word thalma, a wonderful thing, a marvel to wonder with great wonder or to wonder exceedingly. Wow, that's getting pretty interesting, isn't it? Well, I will read it in a couple of the translations very quickly. Before we get into the, into what the verse is actually saying, he says, Then I saw the woman was drunk on the blood of the saints and on the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. Well, that's us. We're witnesses to him. People just like us. When I saw her, I was utterly astounded. That's interesting. I saw the woman drunk from the blood of God's people, says the HCSB. Um, excuse me, the CJB, I'm sorry. That is, from the blood of the people who testify about Yeshua. Well, that's, that's people just like us. Not, not strictly martyrs. They get killed, but they're not, you know, killed just exactly because of their faith, but they do get killed. On seeing her, I was altogether astounded. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? Can you imagine? Now, who is this speaking? This is John, isn't it? This is John the Beloved. This is Yochanan. That's the way we would say his name in Hebrew. He's the one that we're told in the book of John whom Yeshua, Jesus, loved. He's the one at that last Passover who did what? He leaned his head over on Yeshua's chest, and he said, Lord, who is it? Because he knew somebody was going to betray him. This ain't just anybody looking and seeing this, and what's his response? In this, this rendition here, he's astounded. In the HCSB, he's astounded, and in the King James, what does he do? Great admiration. He says it's a wonderful thing to marvel, a wonder with great wonder, and this is John. Keep that in mind. Now, let's get a grip on what this verse is saying. Let's go to Revelation chapter 18, verse 24. And it says, And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints. We just read something about just almost like that. And of all that were slain upon the earth. And if you read that, it's all that are being slain at that time. When this, when this great whore is in power, when she's in place, everybody's being slain. So, it's pretty big, doesn't it? Not only, not only people who believe, but everybody that's dying. It gets related to this. So, 
how can we sum that up? What can we say? In verse 6, we see not only are believers just like you and I dying, but with the help of chapter 18, verses 24, we clearly see that wherever there are people being slain, don't miss that word slain, believers or not, believers or not, Babylon's involved. Wow. That's pretty big, isn't it? That's real big. Let's read that again. But with the help of chapter 18, verse 24, we clearly see that wherever there are people being slain, believers or not, Babylon's involved. Sound like war to anybody? Maybe a lot of war going on? Maybe a lot of conflicts going on? Maybe a lot of policing action going on? Getting pretty serious, isn't it? Yohanan, John, now the aged disciple, also the one whom Yeshua loved, the one who reposed on Yeshua's chest during that last Passover, together is amazed at, astonished at, greatly admires this harlot. Those are all correct renditions of that Greek word, being amazed or astonished or admire. Imagine that, Yohanan, John, admiring this strumpet. Does that sound, does that sound like, how could this possibly be? How, how could John the Apostle, John the Beloved, how could he possibly be admiring a strumpet, a, a prostitute, a whore? How could he possibly be doing that? Let's ask ourselves if this were some sort of false religious system, why was he not sickened or distraught or angered? If it, had been, if it had been a Babylonian worship system, John was saying right through it, because Babylonian worship system was around when John was around, wasn't it? Ishtar, Astarte, the worship of Baal, all that stuff was around when John, you know, during John's lifetime. And being the caliber of man that he was, he would have seen through it immediately. But what was John's reaction? What was John's reaction? He's amazed. He's astonished. And he greatly admires. Wow, this encryption just gets deeper and deeper, seems like, don't it, or does it? Depends on what you think he saw. Alrighty, let's go back to our verse sheet. This is very amazing what this angel says to John. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? Like John, what are you what are you admiring about this thing? What this is the great horror of the last days, and she's going to be judged and destroyed. She's going to be destroyed in such a fashion that nobody can raise her up again. That John, this is not something to be amazed or marveled at. He says, Wherefore didst thou marvel? And the word that he used there for marvel is thou modzo, I believe that's correct. It means to wonder, wonder at, marvel, to be wondered at, to be had in admiration. That's what Thayer tells us. He says, "What, John, what are you marveling for? Man, John, this, this, ooh, is that what you should be doing? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and the ten horns. Well, let's go to our summary sheet and see how we could summarize that. In verse 7, The angel seems to be chiding at Yochanan. 
He seems to be saying this will be the object of great judgment, hardly a thing to be amazed at and admired. That's that's what he's saying there. John, don't don't admire this thing, man. It, it, it's it's going to get waxed. It's going to get burnt. This is not what you should be doing. So he goes on to explain to John who and what it is. All right, let's go back to our verses now. And we're in verse uh, 8 of Revelation chapter 17. Now remember, what is this? A parable? A cryptic description? A mystery? That's what it is. How do we know that? Because we were just told that. In verse uh, 5, that it's a, it's a parable or a cryptic description of the, of the last days. These last days powers. It involves the kings. Don't forget that, please. It involves the kings of the earth. They're the major players. They are the major players. They're the ones that's doing the act. They're the ones that's fornicating. 17 verse 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Okay. So what beast do you think he's talking about? He's talking about this beast that John saw this harlot riding on, isn't he? So he's telling us, he's beginning to tell us some things about this beast, about what it's like. Well, let's go to Revelation chapter 13. Turn there with me in your Bibles, please. Revelation chapter 13, we read these last week. We're going to read, I hope you've been studying this. Please study it. Revelation chapter 13. And let's read. Can everybody see this? Do I need to make this a little larger? Let me see if I can. Uh... Here we go. Can everybody see that? Is that big enough? Do I need to make it a little larger, the font? Let's see. Uh, how's that? Is that a little better? Okay, Frank shook his, at least Frank's answer me. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. <laughs> is, is it, if it's boring you to death, we'll do something else. <laughs> I'll sit down and let Gary get started. I know he's got a boatload today. Let's see if we think this is the same beast that we've been reading about in Revelation 17. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. I, I, I'm already going to bet, bet that it's the same beast. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop right there and say, yeah, buddy, it's the same beast. Same thing. Having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns ten crowns and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard and his feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth as the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Whoops. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is likened to the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his, ma- his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given to him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. We could stop right there and do all kinds of, of, of 
extrapolations and yeah, there's going to be people here that believe there's going to be saints here during that time. Everybody ain't zapped out of here. Verse 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth him to captivity. This is very important, men and women, because when we find out, when we figure out who this is in the next short few studies we come up again, into, this is key instructions for us. Please don't miss what this, if you don't, if this is boring you to death, and you hate this study, at least go home and study very carefully verses 9 through 11 or 12, okay? Verses 9 and 10 especially. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. See, that, that, that's our instruction. This, this thing is hideous that's coming. This, this destruction that comes upon this whole Babylon, it, it can't be anything but thermonuclear. And as you really, I mean, if it, if it, it says that her, her judgment comes in one hour, death and distress and famine and being utterly burned with fire. And, and, and you think, well, are we supposed to go out and dig a hole and get in? Are we supposed to go out and build ourselves a, uh, a, a shelter of some kind? Well, here's our instruction right here. I hope you'll read it and get a grip on this verse. Right here, verse 10. If it, in verses 9 and 10, this is our instruction. It's to listen and to hear. To hear. Well, I got a little bit ahead of myself. Let's go to Daniel. Now, chapter 7. Yes. We, have we got a microphone? Test one. Test. Okay. Here you are, Delbert. I'm just going to say before you get too far off of that, could you go to uh, Revelation 17, verse 12, speak about the ten horns and how that might tie in in the time frame? That's where we're going right now, except we're going to the book of Daniel. Answer that very question. Can we do that? We can do that. All right. Very good question, Delbert. You been studying or something? Right. Gee, well. Imagine that. Somebody studying this. Ooh-wee. All righty. So, let's go to Daniel chapter 7. And let's start in about verse 3 of Daniel chapter 7. And it says, Four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion, he had eagle's wings, and I beheld the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted from the earth and made to stand upon the feet of the man. And a man's heart was given to it, and behold, another beast, a second, likened to a bear, and it <coughs> raised itself up on one side. And it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it, and they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld and lo, another like a leopard, which had Upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, now listen carefully. Here we go. After this, I saw the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, strong exceedingly, and he had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the 
Other beasts that were before it, it had ten horns. Oh, wow, ten horns. Well, our beast in Revelation chapter 17 has ten horns, doesn't it? Well, but it's got seven heads. Well, what could that possibly mean? Ten horns and seven heads. He says, I considered the horns, and we're going to find out right here. And behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom were three of the horn, first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, this horn, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. I, okay, so what did, he, what did he just do right here? He plucks up three of these horns by the roots. So we see this beast, it has seven horns, and it's, it has seven heads and ten horns. In other words, there's three of these horns that ain't got no head to sit on. So what happens? What's that, what's that a cryptic description of? That is a cryptic description or a parable, if you please, in Revelation, that three of these horns right here, one of the, well, excuse me, it says, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up. Well, these three horns don't have no head to sit on. That's a cryptic description. They're going to get plucked up by the roots. But that's pretty simple, isn't it? They're going to get plucked up by the roots. How's Delmer? Does that, does that make sense, Delmer? Thank you. All right. So, but we stick now. This angel comes to Daniel, and we're wondering about the great harlot, and he's taking us off into these descriptions of these kingdoms. What, what could this be? This, this, is this just getting more confusing as we go? No, it's very important to understand. So, well, we'll, you, well, that, that, but well, Daniel, uh, John was given the, the revelation in about 90 AD, and this is 2007. So time has passed, and it's close. <laughs> Don't count on it. <laughs> All righty. All righty. He says, I beheld till thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool of his, and his throne was, was like the fiery flame, and his wheels a burning fire. And we, if you keep reading, you'll find out that Yeshua himself destroys this beast, okay? Now, Daniel gets real upset and he wonders about it. Let's just go and read what's told to Daniel, okay? He says, I, Daniel, in verse 15 of Daniel chapter 7, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he comes up, would you help me understand this? That's what he asked. And we need to understand it too. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings or kingdoms or power centers, if you please, which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. Well, now Daniel's still troubled. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, his nails of brass, which devoured broken pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up and before whom three fell, even of that horn which had eyes and a mouth that spoke very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, as to what this beast is. Now we're trying to find out who is this great whore of Babylon, but this angel gives us this information that ties directly back into the book of Daniel. We have to run back to Daniel to take a look at it. Let's just go on down to verse 23. He says, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, 
and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of his kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. That's exactly what Revelation chapter 17 is a cryptic description of. It starts out as a ten king entity, and three of them fall. That's why there are seven heads with a horn, and these, these three other horns are displaced. So it's just a cryptic description telling there's going to be this end time entity. It's going to start out as ten. It's going to wind up as seven with this Antichrist guy leading it. Now you want to know about the time frame? Read the rest of, let, let me just, let me just, to intrigue you a little bit and make you study, I've got to shut up. I'm going to stop with this. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 17. This will be in your Bible. I don't have these notes up yet. Revelation chapter 17. And let's go to verse 16. Revelation 17, 16. Right here. Now, we we were told there in Revelation, we were told in the book of Daniel, it's going to start out as a ten-nation entity, isn't it? Three of them are going to fall. It's going to become a seven-nation entity, isn't it? That's what that's what it says. He said that three of them were going to fall. They're going to be plucked up by the roots. Well, let's see how and when judgment comes on Babylon. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the horn. Well, while it's still a ten-king entity, not a seven, while it's still a ten-king entity, what do they do? They make her desolate. They make her naked. They eat her flesh and they burn her with fire. The ten do it. So it happens before it busts up and becomes a seven king entity, doesn't it? So Babylon doesn't get destroyed at the end of the tribulation. It's sometime well before. In fact, if we, if we carefully study, we'll find out it's, yeah, it, it's, uh, it happens well before. So we, we need to know who this, this Babylon entity is, don't we? We need to know and understand. Because when it's still a ten king into the ten horns that thou sawest upon the beast, they shall hate the horn. And the ten, while it's still a ten king entity, they cause her, they, they make it happen. Desolate, nakedness, eating her flesh and burning her with fire. Well, it sure does sound like thermonuclear destruction to me. I don't know what it sounds like to you, but if in one hour she's just fine, life is good, and in the next hour she's facing famine and distress and nakedness and burning with fire. Man, I don't know. I don't know of many things that could bring it in one hour. As we get into the book of Jeremiah, we'll see it very clearly. I'm gonna stop right there. Any questions or rebukes? This this is a a, a key that's been it's been here all along. While it's still a ten king entity. Before it becomes a seven-king entity, she gets waxed. I hope, I hope you'll study that carefully. You can rebuke me if you want. If, if you if you study it and come up with it, that, that it's something other than that, please rebuke me. I don't enjoy having to stand up here and saying that you know America's Babylon and it's going to get judged. That's not pleasant. I love America. I'm a Vietnam veteran. We got a lot of Vietnam veterans. We got any World War II veterans in here? I don't think we do, do we? No World War II veterans. Well. Korea and Vietnam and later. There's a lot of us. Old, I don't. I don't like to have to say stuff like this. It's not pleasant, but it's the. Tr- it's the only thing that fits. It's the only thing. That will, it's the only glove that will. The only hand that will fit into the glove. Let's put it that way. 
Thanks for stopping by the Solace Radio community and our new YouTube channel. Subscribe to our channel. Share the teaching with friends. Hit the like button. Do all the regular stuff. It helps us rise in the YouTube universe, enabling us to reach those who need comfort and solace. Comment too. We read all comments from the community and try and answer them in at least 24 hours. Once again, thank you for listening to the word. We pray you are blessed by the teaching you just heard. If so, check out the links in the description for more info.